some of your family and faith this evening.
Obviously, you know we have a special guest tonight, and we're the best guest we can So, um, we had pastors uh, Peter Kostos with us tonight. We, we know that the founders of Only Believe, and I think this year, am I correct in saying that 2022 is the 40th anniversary of Only Believe with Boxing? So, I know there'll be a big party over there, I'm sure. But obviously, he's the founder of all, the, all of our campuses, obviously, here in Urbana, uh, Dayton, and Kent. So, anytime we can get them down here to be with us, it's a special night. So, what I'm asking, and Patrick, come, if you'll come up and jump on this stool up here. Um, we've been. Oh, well. I was going to. So, we have a step stool at the water tank, but I don't know. So, I'd ask Patrick to come, and I and generally. Uh, when I have Pastor come or one of the other I don't ask them to talk about something specific. Usually, just what's on their heart. But we have uh, just come out of a four-week Sunday series in September on the Holy Spirit, and we covered all of the, the ongoing activity and work of the Holy Spirit. So, and, and included in that, we talked about the infilling, and then Wednesday during that time, we did uh, the gifts of the Spirit. So. I asked Pastor if you would come and, and kind of do a question and answer with me on the gifts of spirit for your benefit because if there's any of all the things that, that he brings so much wisdom about, the gifts of spirit in my mind are like near the top of the list. So uh, because of, of his life and his calling and what he does and, and all his traveling, the gifts of spirit uh, are, are very manifest and, and simply there. And um, Overseas, you guys were just in Pakistan. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. uh, so, maybe, maybe just uh, kind of tell them a little bit about what happened in Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan, uh, it was the first time that we were there. And uh, we have, uh, in Pakistan, you have one night crusade. After that, by the time morning comes down, they have to tear it all down. They have to be gone because of the Muslims. And uh, a, we had a pastor's conference, and that is like you tell one pastor, then however many he tells and they come, that's how many go. And uh, so you can't be registered or anything like that. Uh, so we went, uh, preached to a church that's seven months old, has 2,000 members. Uh, and are good. People think that, well, you know, nothing's happening. They're having revival. Amen. And uh, then, uh, so we did a one night, it was three and a half hours from the city that we were in. We drove through fields, dirt roads, and I thought, good, man, these people want to take us out here and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, three and a half later, we end up in the midst of nowhere, 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 and there's like 74,000 people there. Oh, and uh, so, just far as the eye can see, we preach, and uh, then what we do is we just preach simple Jesus, 15, 20 minutes, and uh, then we start praying for the sick. And, uh, you know, we witness three ways. We witness by our life, uh, how we share Christ, and uh, then we uh, witness by the words that we say, but then we witness by the touch of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has a voice. Yeah. He says something. 
And when Peter and John raised the, the crippled man, it says that God hath glorified and bore witness that he raised Jesus from the dead. And that, the gifts of the Spirit are the third witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing can be denied. You preach a million sermons, one miracle will convert a million people. And uh, so we gave an altar call, like 60 some thousand Muslims just gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So out of that, churches will be born in that region. Just hundreds of churches will be born. And uh, they will just continue to infest that community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So where are you going next, you know? Caribbean. <laughs> and then we come back to go to Ivory Coast and then I think to uh, Mexico City and, and hopefully after that we just wait around and see what I got for Christmas. Well that's all the next two months. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow, okay, about travel. When you gonna hunt? I'm going next week to North Carolina, huh? I'm going to be hunting Friday night, Saturday night, and uh, hopefully I've got lots of them on camera. They just aren't getting in front of me. That's perfect. You know, so I'm sending them cards. I, I didn't tell you. I, I didn't tell you I killed one. Oh yes, I know. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have your schedule. I'm hard to tell where I'm going to be. <laughs> Anyhow, oh, so you just mentioned it. So the first thing I wanted to just have you talk about is talk about the gifts of the Spirit, the activation, manifestation of the Spirit, and simple everyday life. Because I think sometimes we complicate it. Yeah. It, Christi, Christianity and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is not just for identification of who we are, uh, how great we are or anything like that, or how well we know God. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit are to be used in everyday life. Uh, that means, you know, at the grocery store, you know, raising our children. Uh, I encourage people to, you know, when you start learning about the gifts of the Spirit, there is so much demonic stuff going on in our children's lives that they come home we uh, are oblivious because we're cooking, cleaning, throwing stuff at them, and, and all, all that kind of stuff. But what happens is they come home, and they may have been harassed, they may have been bullied, they may be, you know, stumped in the subject or something like that. But the discerning of spirits can reveal that, and the discerning of spirits can give you a word in due season. And you can, like when your husband comes home, you see him coming, and say, oh man, he's going to be in a bad mood. Well, how about praying and saying, God, you know what? I know you've given me the gift of discerning spirit. I just asked you to lose that Holy Ghost. Show me what the problem is. Then you can turn that situation around and make it a profitable night instead of a strenuous night. And, uh, you know, words of knowledge that, that operate. You know, uh, I remember uh, our daughter Nikki was uh, uh, staying with a babysitter, and the lady, Nikki, said, I've got to go to Pickle Mall. The lady said, There's no way your mom and dad would kill me 
to let you out of my sight. She said, well, I'm telling you, God told me to go. So she goes, and uh, and she takes a friend, she gets down there in the parking lot, and there is a uh, a truck in the parking lot. And she said, God, what do you want me to do here? And uh, God said, just wait. So she waits and waits, and all of a sudden he said, drive to that pickup truck. She drives that pickup truck, opens the door, and lo and behold, there's a girl and a guy that attends our church getting ready to do the thing that no person that's not married should be doing. Caught him right before the act. Yeah, absolutely. So the word of knowledge. I remember one time, Phyllis, uh, I bought her a nice bracelet. I've been out of the country for a long time. I bought her a nice bracelet. And uh, we were went Christmas shopping. She's uh, she's going down the road. She said, oh, I, I lost my bracelet. I'm thinking like, man, a <laughs> And so I pull over. We look through all the bags. There is no bracelet. And it is snowing. Snowstorm started. And I mean, it is coming down. We've got about three, four inches of snow. And uh, so she calls all the stores that she'd been in. No, it's not here. I said, Phil, how many centers do you know that are there? Oh, yeah, I found that diamond necklace. Hey, yeah, I'm going to return it to you. Are you kidding me? We're never going to see that. And uh, so I got back in the car, and I took off towards the mall. Phil said, where are you going? I said, I'm going back to the mall. She said, for what? It's closed up. And that's how Phil usually shops. They close it up. <laughs> so we get to the mall. And uh, we parked down here by the entrance of uh, Elder Beerman, that kind of thing. And we was up, up close. Well, I pulled on the parking lot, and I just took off across the parking lot. Phillips is screaming, no, you're going the wrong way. We're down here, we're down here. And I just slammed on my brakes, slid to a stop, opened the door, stuck my hand down in the snow, pulled it in, and had that brace within my hand. Yeah. So the gifts of the Spirit will not only do marvelous and miraculous things for us, they will help us to do things for other people. Uh, be at the right place at the right time. Phil bought a purse the other day, as if that a wonder. Um, and uh, she gets it there. She said, hey, you need the hole in it. So I get uh, go down. I get the hole puncher. You know, I punch a hole in it. And uh, she gets to church and she walks into this office and she looked at the girl and said, I hate this purse. That girl said, oh my gosh, I just saw that purse Saturday. And it just wasn't in our budget. She said, oh, I love that purse. Phil said, give me a bag. So she gave her a paper bag, a plastic bag. Phil threw her junk in there, which I don't know how it ever fit. But then she gave the purse to the lady. Now, how does that happen? That happens by a word of knowledge. God wanting to bless someone. So those gifts like that happen all the time. And I get up, and and all of us, you know, Holy Ghost, use me today. Lead me today. Well, those are invitation. Holy Ghost, flow through me. Let the gifts of the Spirit move through my life. And believe me, we need them. Mm -hmm. And for all types of stuff, we need 
the Holy Ghost to help us, and the gifts. So they can be employed into your life in an everyday situation. Well, what if I ask God and it doesn't happen? Wait. It takes just as long to fail as it does succeed. So if you'll just give success a chance, you'll find failures falling off. So uh, when we do things, whether it's buying something, whether it's uh, you know investing money, whether it's buying a house, all of those things, the Holy Ghost knows the end from the beginning. And I'm telling you, He will reveal those things to you in a dream, in a vision, in a thought, just a thought. And so we ought to employ the Holy Ghost into that, into our life every day. Let God do it. So you, you used it in two different ways there. So one said, since there are times when the Holy Spirit sort of taps you on the shoulder, yeah. as you obey yeah. and, and manifest, it, like even a dream or vision is the same. Yeah. And there's other times when you ask yes. for the gift to be present in a situation. So Absolutely. it goes both ways. Yeah, if, if you're going to a friend's house, you know, people are uh, smoke screeners. In other words, if you don't part the smoke, you never really get to the issue. That's right. You, you know, there's always something, somebody's hiding. Always. You know, you come into the house, the chandelier's crooked, you know, blood on the walls, and they're smiling. Oh, we're so glad you come here. There's a war in that house. So... When, when somebody begins to talk to me in counseling, I never believe anything they say. Because well, they never tell me the truth. They're telling me a one-sided story to get me to side with them against whoever they're complaining about. So I know that the reason they're complaining is because they've been agitated, they've been offended, they got mad, they think they've been cheated, short, short-changed, something is wrong with them. So what I have to do is the Bible says that we need to pray to interpret languages. And people use languages to deceive us, convey lies to us, or to smoke screen us. And they'll just talk around a million miles until the last 60 seconds of the counseling session. They say, well, let me tell you why I'm really coming here. I say, I wish they got me with that house. And, and uh, so then what I need to do, I need to interpret what is really going on in that man's life. Jesus said you could discern the sky, interpret what season's going to come. So when you go to a house, pray, God, let me interpret the atmosphere here. Let me interpret what I can deposit into this house. When I leave, let this house be better than when I come in. And so get a word from God, interpret the tongue, the language that they're giving you. They may be conveying you joy, but they're brokenhearted. It doesn't take much to break somebody's heart. Just one word misunderstood. You know, people get offended because you walk by them. You didn't intentionally mean to walk by them, but they took offense to it. That's a misunderstanding. That's an offense without a reason or a call or justification. But they'll go off offended. And unless you really get a word from God or interpret how they're talking to you or talking to you on the phone or something, you'll never be able to get to it and get a word 
in due season. Right. So it's such a multiple use in, in what they can touch and heal and, and bring about. It's not just it's not just standing up in front of people and praying for somebody as a, as a gospel response, which is part of it, but it's to everyday life and living with your kid and, and buying a bracelet and all sorts of things that the folks are can separating themselves from us in life. And God knows all them, and he's interested in them. So if he tells you go to the right, go to the right. If he tells you go to the left, go to the left. You may not understand it, but let God use you. And it is a trial and error. The Bible says that instruction is a way of life. You may make a hundred mistakes, but never get so discouraged that you quit trying. Never. I mean, I prayed for hundreds of people that never got healed. But one day, when Jesus appeared to me, after that, I prayed for hundreds of people that do get healed. And, uh, but we have to exercise it. We have to put faith in it. We have to pursue it. The Bible says that we are to covet. In other words, we've got to strive and say, I can't live aside from these gifts being manifest in my life. <clears throat> because that's really what unveils God in a human being's life. You know, one question that often comes up, is, and I think this is a question where you're thinking too hard about it, but maybe you can clarify is how do I know if gifts being activated? Well, how do you uh, hear from God? Does he grab you and shake you and throw you on the road every day and say, get up, now I talk to you? No. How, how did God talk to us in any way, shape, or form? How did we get 66 books of the Bible? My thoughts are not your thoughts. But I give you my thoughts. So certainly thoughts have to be judged. But you become more familiar with the thoughts that have a touch of God on them as you respond to it. That's why I say you may miss a hundred times, but keep on doing it because pretty soon you'll get used to the way that God's speaking to you. And so when God gives you a thought, just one thought, that's enough. And so act on that thought. Well, well what if I miss it? Then you lick your wound and wait for another thought. That, that's it. I mean, what else is there to do? That's how God speaks to us. And so, what is, is this here? This is his voice, but what is it? It is thoughts written down. But in that writing, inspirational move of God is the voice of God. The will of God is in there. But it's all a thought. It's just a thought. So, I have come to the point that I think that, you know what, every thought that comes to me, 
this is my assumption. When I go into a house or anything like this, God, you know what? I surrender myself to you. Now, I believe that you are going to move up on my heart and lead me by the Holy Ghost today. Well, if I don't believe that from that moment on, that God is the author of my thoughts, then what I'm going to do is go in there based on my own thoughts. So I just go. You know, Jesus asked questions like, where's your husband? I ain't got one. Yeah, you're right. You had five of them. And you still looking for the right one. Now, he asked questions. So you can ask questions say, hey, how are you doing? Well, you know, but say, you know what? I believe that the Lord showed me that this was happening, this was happening. And you know what? You'll just unveil it. Only take one word to activate the gifts. And the gifts, believe it or not, are knocking on your door everywhere you're at. It's like you can speak in tongues. We've learned that we can speak in tongues, you know, because we can do it at will. And so can we recognize other gifts at will. Absolutely. We become aware or sensitive to them. And when we do, we move into them. Amen. So, um, kind of switch gears a little bit. Talk about how the gifts work together sometimes. The gifts usually work like a, a word of knowledge. You remember that uh, Jesus told his disciples, go into this city and you see a guy with a pitcher on top of his head. And uh, when you see him, ask him where you are going to uh, have the uh, upper room. So they go, and sure enough, they find him, and they say, hey, where are we going to be in the upper room? So, so he uh, reveals that to him. But then also, having that word of knowledge breaks in, and it will show you who you're supposed to be in relationship with. Which is beyond your understanding. Oh, hey, I like that guy. But you don't know that guy. And uh, so a word of knowledge will show you who to join yourself with. A word of knowledge will give you a word to say. You know, when they untied the uh, young ass, they said, hey, what, what are you doing? He said, the master has need of them. And they let him take away the donkey. I mean, that was cold cash. Walking right down the road. Hey, okay, wait. But... They had a word from God. And so when you start operating in these, you might have a word of God kind of that would take you to a city or tell you to go into this store. One time I, I uh, was hungry, and I said, God, I'm hungry. He said, go to the Chinese restaurant. I said, oh, God, please, no. No, not that Chinese. God, that is a filth hole. I said, I don't trust anything in there. And he said, go there. So I went there. And I'm sitting there and I'm eating tapioca. I think it's tapioca. I don't know. But I, I, I am not getting nothing else off of that thing. I'm telling God, I, I am not putting my fork into nothing. And uh, so I'm just sitting there playing with this tapioca thinking, why did you bring me here? And God said, this old woman walked by me and she was headed for the cashier, and he said, whoop, pay her bill. So I said, oh, thank God, I'm out of here. I jumped up and followed the woman up, and uh, the lady said, 
$6.99, whatever it is. And I said, hey, I'll pay for that. She said, pray to the Lord. Took right up walk, never turned around and said, thanks for this. <laughs> and I thought, like, hello, God used somebody, lady. She just said, praise the Lord, walked right on out of the Never said nothing, never said nothing. Never seen the woman again. Now, those things work together where a word of knowledge will tell you to go. But then it may be an, an act of just an act of faith that God gives you. Or that you pray for somebody. Or you go to somebody and uh, or God discerns to you about a discerning of spirits. But then he gives you a word of knowledge how to remedy the problem. And so they work always together, I mean, like tongue and interpretation. There's always two sides of it. Uh, like the working of miracles, you may be felt, feel drawn to somebody. And uh, you would say, you might not know anything. You say, hey, what's wrong with you? And then they tell you. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to pray. And you say, God, in the name of Jesus, I curse this thing. And God, I loose the working miracles. You've seen it overseas. You've seen it in our church and you know, blind crippled. I had no idea how that happened. Sometimes I would people I'd say, oh, you know, she said, I can see. I'd say, oh, you cannot. <laughs> how, how in the world did your eye get over? I don't know. I said, you're kidding me. I don't know how that But when we put a demand on the gifts, just like tongues don't come out of you without your voice. The gifts will never flow through you without you attempting to use them. Amen. And don't be afraid. It is like, you know, prophecy. You know, you don't get six pages of prophecy and bring them up and roll them out and say, hey, Pastor, I got a word for the church today. You say, well, stop in the line too and cut that off. And let's talk. No, you get one word at a time. Because that's all you need is one word at a time. And God is extracting faith from your life. And so you get one word at a time, and as you speak that word, here comes another word. And then before you know it, you are, as it were, being impressed quicker than you can speak by the Holy Ghost. So it's all many steps. It's all just one step at a time. Uh, you know, if you stumble, you make a mistake. Keep right on going. Right on going. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've told You know, I, I prayed for five dead people. They're still dead. But I prayed for a number six in my church that dropped dead, was dead for 25 minutes, examined by five uh, emergency squads, and they all said, she's dead. I'm thinking, okay. I said, well, you did what you do, now Now let us do what we do. Pray for her, they put her on the gurney, rolled her through the door, and when she went through the door, she sat up and came back to life. And the guy that examined her, Dr. Newman, in Sydney, Ohio, became a member of my church after he saw that nurse. He said, I've been monitoring this lady 25 minutes. She did her the doornail. Where is this church? He's a graduate of Laura Robert Tudor. 
Yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there. Yeah, absolutely. In the back of the church. Yep. Yeah. Back corner by the back. Thing. I was preaching yeah. on Prosperity. People were scattered. What in the world's going on at the end of church? People were scattered around, going crazy. And, yeah. Yeah. They said, "Oh man, Pastor, I feel so bad." I said, "Why well, didn't kill her?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kill her. The devil killed the woman. That's right. I was preaching on Prosperity, and he hated Prosperity, and uh, she just slumped over, and I walked up to her and said, "Hey." Yeah, all them ladies in the emergency room, uh, nurses came over and checked. Yep, she did. She did. She did. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, about three weeks ago, I called her on the telephone. I, I was uh, just calling people out. You know, I called a guy who had a blind eye and, and uh, then a person that was crippled, and then I called her. I said, hey, Mary Lou, how you doing? She said, I'm still living, Pastor. I said, uh, don't forget to tell them I live in Tennessee now. I'm not dead. I said, okay, so she got married again and moved to Tennessee, and she goes all around southern Tennessee giving her testimony how she once was dead, but now she's alive. So I, five times I faced her, and one dog. I had no idea. The dog was so, why would you want a dog? The dog was so dumb he jumped the fence and hung himself. I said, oh, we're on a leash. And I said, why do you want this dog back alive? He's never going to make it. He's going to kill himself again. He's stupid. The guy said, well, Pastor, could you please pray? It's embarrassing having a guy drag a dead dog in his house so you can pray for him in the living room. And uh, what, did, what, what happened? He drove the dead dog back out that door. So I had no faith for that dog. <laughs> but we just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And uh, I just never give up. Amen. Oh, man, I'm not even sure. I don't know what this dog is. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Well, you got three people in your church, and he's the main guy, what are you going to do? <laughs> Resist 
and by attitude. And uh, I just will not accept and don't want to accept any sickness and disease dominating a life. I hate it. I hate it. Healing is a restoration of the totality of our redemption. Now, it's not the only thing, but it is one of the things. And sickness and disease is so deceptive. It comes to destroy faith in a family. Somebody that is sick in a family, that family's faith will begin to erode. And it will begin to waver. And that person loses that fight in the midst of that sickness, their children will be scarred. Their faith will be less than what their parents were. And so it weakens, really, it can weaken a church's faith when we believe. But what we have to understand is that we don't know everything. We don't know it. I've had people tell me, Pastor, don't pray I'll get healed. I, I know God will heal me. My mother told me. She said, now, I love you, son, and you're my pastor. Don't pray for me to be healed. She said, I don't want to be healed. I've been healed plenty of times. She said, I've lived a good life. My mother had 14 kids, and I thought, what world were you in? And she, but she believed she had a good life. And she said, I've lived a good life, and I'm ready to go to heaven. Don't pray for me that I'm going to be healed. I said, okay. So brought the family back in, and uh, she laid down in the bed, and we started talking, turned around, and she was gone. She died while we were talking about it. Amazing. So you don't want to give up, but you want, don't want to be disheartened, because you don't know what's in these people's hearts. Hallelujah. The lady, if you talk to just the, the one that had cancer that you were in prayer for, she said, no, no, no. Yeah. And uh, we actually helped her load up, you know, her trailer from Winston, she yeah. drive be with her family in Texas, but she was just in a place where she was just like, I, yeah. I lived this life and it's... And this woman attended our church for years. She was homeless. She lived in her car, and then she got a job, part-time, and then what she did was bought a tent. And she lived in the woods through the winter in a tent. This lady learned how to not only take animals, she learned how to, to tend, hide, to, and do, she sold, she made money. Yes. When I learned her stuff, I was like, wow, this is good stuff. She gave me some things. We're pretty yeah. good. And uh, she simply said, you know what? I was very wealthy. I got a divorce. And uh, she said, I got lots of money, got lots of stuff. Then I met a man, and he stole it all. She said, my faith was devastating. And I said, God, I'm never going to put faith in things again. Right. So she lives in a car and at a roadside rest, and the state trooper gets acquainted with her and lets her do it. And uh, then she gets a tent, and uh, she starts working and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we tried to get her a house. We tried to put her in a hotel. She said, no, absolutely not. No, I would never succumb to that again. I'm not going to do it. She said, this is my conviction. I've drawn the line. I, and I'm telling you, I said, get the woman a house. Move her out of, you get out of your house. Give her your house. <laughs> no, she wouldn't take it.
So, and during that time, the first year she lived in that tent, she came to the church and gave $2,500. She said, would you give this to a family to help them? My accountant was looking at him and said, what is wrong with you, lady? Then, just last year, she didn't need her van anymore. They, she gave her van away. And uh, then she finds out she's got stage four cancer. So I go out to pray for her on Sunday morning. She said, oh, no, Pastor, I don't want you to pray for me. She said, I've already talked to Jesus, and I'm ready to go home. She said, and uh, uh, my family is making me a room in Texas, and I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to win them to Jesus, then I'm going to die and uh, go to heaven. She said, but don't pray for me because I just have no aspirations to live. Now, I'm telling you, every eye in my congregation was bawling. How this woman lived for God, giving everything that she could get her hand on to someone else. Her son starts living with her, and the plans are, he moved to Texas with her, the plans are when she dies, he will sell all they have, and then he is going back to IHOP. Is IHOP, and he's going to volunteer there for the rest of his life. Where does that kind of faith come from? It can only come from a relationship with Christ. And uh, I wanted to pray for. Him. I'm telling you, I, I I got up that morning and I I said, God, you know, I need a message. You're not going to church and preach. You couldn't get any. So I get there at church and I just start battling, kind of like I am now. And, and uh, all of a sudden I see this woman I said, there's my miracle. That's going to change this service. I walk out and she manipulates me like a puppet, buddy, and makes me just think, uh, it's over. And uh, But that woman, a couple weeks ago, we loaded her up, we took an offering, needed like $1,500, I think she got $5,000 to uh, get her there and take care of her. and uh, But she just would not take it. And uh, But there is a greater good for her life, not just for mine. And uh, so even though, I mean, I had my congregation people tell me, boy, she worked you like a puppet, didn't she? I said, yes, sir, she did. And uh, I, I was at my wit's end. I, I was saying, yeah, but you know, you could do this if you were healed. No, 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 I, I don't want to be you. So Eric's saying, <clears throat> he's trying to like, take her a different way. I'm trying to get No way, that, that woman is not budging. She's headed to Texas to witness to her family, and then she's going to heaven. It was, it was just an amazing testimony. But the gifts of the Spirit can be presented, but they cannot always be received. Some people do not want their life to change. Though the opportunity is given, they don't get it. So, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times in third world countries, you see people that are begging. That's their only income. They don't want to heal. They have to beg because that's their income. So, you know, it, it is uh, certainly one-on-one. -on -one, it is mass, but... You've got to realize that every individual has to receive 
that year. Alright, um, almost there. So, difference between gifts of healing and working of miracle. A gift of healing is something that usually takes place instantly. The working of miracles is a process. In other words, you pray for somebody, you release the working of miracles, or the a working of miracles goes into operation and you see one sign, one sign. I've had people that are totally, I mean, they can't do anything. They can't blink an eye. They're blind. They're, they're laid out on stretchers. And I pray for them, and uh, they'll move a finger. And I'll get to watch it. Has he ever done that before? She said, no. I said, well, God's doing something. And before I get to the end of the prayer line, that individual is up off that hot dancing. See, we think if it doesn't happen then, it's not happening. The working of a miracle, not the performance of one, the working of one. And the working of miracles takes evidence of the manifestation in order to give faith for the next manifestation. And it goes on and on and on. So it starts like, uh, you remember that woman that Randy never believed took place in Texas. She didn't have no eyeballs. Yeah. She was born with no eyeballs. And she was about 6'3". And uh, she comes up, she's got this scene eye dog, and I said, what can I do for you? I'm thinking, you know, uh, I got a sore back or stuff going on. She said, I don't have no eyeballs. I said, yeah, I can see that. And uh, she said, I want you to pray that God will give me new eyeballs. I said, okay. Is there anything else you need? No. 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 So I reached my hand up and I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse this blindness, you devil, come out of her, and I loose the working of miracles. And I said, now, tell me what's happening. She said, well, I think I see light. I said, okay, that's enough. Go home. Go home. And she said, okay. Well, she came back to that church a week or so later with two brand new eyeballs in her head. And she had the dog for a few months and they came and took the dog from her. And then Randy had the children pastor of that church there. And Randy was telling me, he said, you know, my, my father-in-law tells the story that happened in Dallas. He said, you know, I don't, the guy said, is your dad father-in-law named Pete Dozek? He said, yeah. He said, I know that woman. She's a personal friend of mine. She's still in our church, and she's still got two good eyes. And God gave her two brand new eyes. That was a working of miracles. Just sent her off. And so many times, when you get the evidence of one, that is enough evidence for you never to be shaken. See, we always want to see, I want to see it all. No. Remember, the kingdom of God works as if a man sows a seed. And it grows one blade at a time. That's the working of miracles. So don't ever doubt it, but learn to recognize it. And once it's in motion, then let it be in motion. That's also important for people that are being prayed for believing. Yes, Sometimes it's just the 
one thing, but you didn't see the whole thing, so I guess it wasn't the answer. But no, you see the one thing, you grab a hold of that one thing, Absolutely. that one thing is a step to the next thing. Right. It, it is enough. What did Elijah do? Elijah's servant said, well, I see a little hand out there. He said, that's enough. Mm -hmm. And he took off on that. He realized that there was a process of miracles taking place. Yeah. And sometimes we as a church don't recognize that. Uh, that's why I always just say, okay, tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. Well, could you do that before? No. I say, well, then go. Praise God. Mm -hmm. you, you can't do anything except send them off in faith. But as far as it, on the other side of the how often do you think it happens that God is starting to do something and somebody just kind of loses faith, I don't know a better way to say it, and maybe doesn't end up with what God was going to do? You know, if they had 90% of that. Because, think of this, we serve a God that doesn't lie, but we accuse him of lying all the time. Because we pray and then we say, well, it never happened. Mm -hmm. Well, God didn't want it to happen. Well, why didn't you pray in the first time? First place, if you knew he didn't want it. Mm -hmm. So we sometimes short-circuit that. And what we have to do is write the vision. Let's, let's just say that you're up here and you're praying. And, uh, you know, a woman, let's say that, do you understand what falling out into the Holy Ghost is. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the woman falls out into the Holy Ghost. And uh, she gets up. Myself, I would write that down. This is what I felt when I was praying for. Because you write the vision so I can keep running. And so all the time, I will revisit that moment that I got slain in the Holy Ghost. And I will recall and I will think of that moment. And what that does is it keeps my faith alive. And I only got slain in the spirit or felt goosebumps or whatever we want to say it is through the discerning of spirits. God is here right now. There are angels here. There are devils waiting outside. Uh, you know, and uh, some of you that are driving shivies and stuff know what devils are. You have just... All right. Now look, but what happens is this. Angels are here. God is here. Why can't we feel God? Because of discerning of spirits. But once that discerning is lifted, and many times it happens in worship services where people say, man, did you feel the presence of God? Well, it was with you seven days a week. But you just never felt it because of a corporate discerning of spirits. And sometimes people see angels. That's a discerning of spirits. And so when this woman is slain in the spirit, that is an overwhelming of God's presence, which is experienced by the discerning spirits. So if she is believing God for something, she needs to write that down. This is what I felt. This is what I thought. That is evidence. Write the vision so you can continue to run it. But so many of us try to remember that. But remember God, uh, Paul told Timothy, look, remember what was said to you by prophecy. You don't have the ability to hang on to spiritual things in the uh, mental realm of man only. That's why we're told to write it down. 
And so we write it so that we can run. So every time that things like that happen to me, I read that. This is what happened to me. I keep feeding my faith so I can fight the fight of faith. Yeah, I have a notebook with a moleskin where there's just certain moments get in there. Every now and every once in a long while, I'll revisit it. Yeah. It's a reminder that this is what God has done. Yeah. I wasn't just being goofy at the moment. God yeah. did something. Yep. And it's also stepping stone in faith to keep going. Yes. If God did that, certainly he's going to be with me. Oh, yeah. right. Absolutely. And uh, so I think that everybody ought to write down if, uh, you know, how many people have believed God for $500 and eaten it up in pizza? Because somebody gives you $20 at the church every Sunday and you think, wow, man, man, what a blessing. Well, that blessing is towards the money you're believing God for. Mm-hmm. Write it down. Write it down. Keep tabs of it. And as you do, it'll come to pass. Okay, so uh, we're about 10 after 8. Usually about the time we're getting done. But anybody have a quick question? Yes, Bill. Yeah, Bill, it's my wife, Patsy. We want to thank you and your wife for being here. My question is, back to the... Uh, experience you relate about the young boy that was blind? Yes. Did you get, did you pray to heal him because you wanted him healed, or did you get a word of knowledge that said, go to that boy and heal him? What, how did that happen? I got a word of knowledge, and I just stopped and said, what's wrong with you? So that was a word of knowledge that led me there. That moved me into a gift of a working of, of healing, gift of healing, that he received his sight. So did it matter or not whether he was a believer? Here's what is unique about the gifts. The gifts operate in two ways. They operate because someone is believing for something. And and when their faith is believing God for something, it will be activated to help their faith because they reach a pinnacle that maybe their faith can't produce it. That happens also as an example if there's any sick among you let me call for the elders of the church. So God does connect people with greater faith for you to receive what you need to receive in life. So sometimes when people's faith is out, but we're believing God and that, well, the word of knowledge or the gifts will go in operation in a service. That's one way. The other way is that God is building faith in a congregation, in a church, in, like when I'm overseas, those people aren't believers. They don't believe nothing. Uh, the God they have believed in hasn't done anything. Allah has failed so many times that they don't even believe in Him. They're looking for anything. Well, then when those gifts go into operation, they are evidence producers. They produce faith. Well, I thought it comes by hearing well, it, that's one way it does come from. But the Bible says that when they saw the miracles, they believed. When John the Baptist was in prison, what did Jesus count on? You go tell John what you saw. And John's faith was upgirded, and he was able to go through the persecution he was facing. So faith does come from hearing, but it also comes from seeing. Uh, Jesus said in Mark, the fourth chapter, uh, least they see, or hear, 
and be converted. So, so when, when these gifts go into operation, a lot of times it is someone else's faith that is being drawn. And it might be, a, let's say, a Job's faith that he'd been interceding for you. And so a word of knowledge comes forth in a service, and your faith rises up. What, how does faith come? Come from hearing, hearing by the word. So when a word of knowledge comes, what's deposited in you? A dimension of faith you've never had in order to receive a miracle. And so it's because Job's been praying for you. Remember, we're one body. It's not just one guy doing it all. This church exists because everybody is doing their part. And if it, you want it to stop existing, everybody just stop what you're doing. One man cannot build a church. One family can't build a church. Good preaching can't build a church. Good people that are active build churches. And so, Joe may be praying for you, and you get a miracle. You say, amen, hallelujah. Well, everybody's eyes are on you, but you have done nothing. But Joe, because he is a part of you, and he needs the kidney to operate, so he begins to function as a liver. And he begins to put life into this kidney, and God intervenes and heals you. Yeah, I think it's important to build the West. And you can be a Walmart and feel you need to pray for something. There, there's a giant chance they're not a believer. Oh, yeah. But that, that moment of prayer sparks faith that they meet God in that moment. You know, it's a sign oh, yeah. of who he is. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, there's you know I understand lots of people that are ministered to and get miracles. They're not, healed. they're not believers at all. They want to believe. They just don't know what to believe in. So, so many times, there's a lot of times of the people in the Walmart that need help or prayer. You, I guess I don't hear somebody tell me to stop praying for them. So I sh you shouldn't do anything until you hear that. Is that right? When do you well, pray for something? You have I'm going to observe. I'm going to observe. I look at people. And you know you can interpret. You're married. Yes. You know what this means. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, oh my God, I don't want to go home. Hey, you need your bride's clean bill? Yeah, yeah, you're not willing to do anything. You don't want to go home. You know what's waiting behind that door. Now, so you discern that look. You really discern that by familiarity. But if you're in Walmart and you look at somebody's face, God can let you discern what's going on in it. They may be smiling on the outside, but on the inside, their heart is broken. Phyllis was standing in a uh, Macy's, I think, and the lady came up and Phyllis, it looked like she'd been crying. And Phyllis said, are you okay? She said, no, my husband just died. She said, your husband just died? Yeah, he took the COVID shot and he died. He was healthy, he was a runner, he exercised, ate good. He took that shot and he died. And he just died like the day before. So read the people that are around you because they all have stories 
But when you see the discerning of spirits, I'm telling you, you'll see into their life. And when you do, again, just start out asking questions. And, uh, you know, if, if you get so far and it doesn't come to pass, that's okay. Then find somebody else. Just ask them. Have you seen anybody that looks like you in, the, in Walmart here? I, maybe I got the wrong person. Go around find somebody. And I'm telling you, God will start unveiling that to you. And you'll start catching it. I had went to a church before, and they were trying to teach you how to, and I'm like, 
this is weird. You can't just teach somebody to speak no. in tongues. You know, they're like, just let it roll off your tongue. And I'm like, no, no, no. It it does come in thought before God speaks to us in thought, or it comes up out of our belly, or it just comes to the point out of your spirit that you just know that you know. And uh, so, just what comes to you, you have to believe. Here is a great promise. God said, if you being evil not have to give good gifts unto your children, would you give them a serpent, a, a piece of bread, or so forth? He said, no. Neither will your father give you anything when you ask him for the Holy Ghost. In other words, the devil cannot intervene and give you something demonic. So sometimes you have to just trust this is God. And if it's not God, then how am I saved to believe anything? Uh, yeah, in, uh, in the Word, when a woman with the issue of blood was healed, and she grabbed the hem of his garment, the Lord said, I perceive that he, you know, power or virtue has gone out. He didn't know what had happened, but he knew that feeling. Yep. So I was wondering if that's ever happened when the Lord used you to heal someone. You ever actually feel it tangibly like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, have you ever felt your hands get warm uh, when you pray for somebody? Uh, what is that? That is a discerning of spirits. But understand that God is wanting to use us all. This is not just a one-time one deal. Listen, I... I travel 150 days a year and I'm telling you, I'm on the run. Do I like that? No. 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 But if anybody else was doing it, I would stay home. Now I'm telling you, I would stay home. I got lots of things that I want to do that not even on the to-do list. You know, I... I want to enjoy my life, but we all understand we're servants of the Lord. So, yeah, that comes up on me uh, sometimes, but please understand, most of the time when miracles take place, I am in awe. I am in awe. I mean, we had a little boy that uh, had polio, he was crippled on the, his, uh, yep, the right side. So I prayed for him, and all of a sudden he started moving his leg, and pretty soon he stuck his hand out and started moving it. That is a, I'm thinking, how did that happen? But it is God. So I'm astounded. So one thing is this. I know that God does this because he told me we could do it any place in the world. But I also am very humble because, believe it or not, you could replace me tomorrow. You think that you could. You could. Everybody in here could replace me on the stage. I, I've got guys that have traveled with me in five, six, seven years. They're out doing crusades in parts of the world that I, I don't even want to go to. I'm scared to go there. I might not come back out alive. But those guys are out there doing it. Toga, uh, Dominican Republic, they're everywhere. And they're sending me reports. Hey, I had a, a 10,000 saved last week. And, you know, they're doing all that. And they all they did was, if he can do it, I can do it. 
And I put them on the stage and said, preach. When they started preaching, then I'd step up and say, now pray for the sick. Do this, do that. They did it. And then that was it. See, realize that Jesus says this. The Holy Ghost that you saw with me, he's going to be with you. In other words, Jesus was saying, when you've seen me, you can do what I've done. And so anybody in here could replace me. Ben Schwartz, he's going to Honduras. I'm never going to Honduras again. No, don't want to go back. So I put that young guy in there. And so now he goes to Honduras. He has Miracle Crusade. He's 28 years old. And, uh, you know, they're going to other countries. And, and you can do this. I'm telling you, you can do it. It's easy. Just dare to believe God. They get miserable. Now the reason is, is because I ask God to give you a hunger and a thirst. And the only way you can have a hunger and a thirst is it is invoked by God and it causes you to draw near to God so that you can be filled. And I'm going to ask God to visit you and just put a desire in you to see the supernatural. Just, just get in there and, and just believe God. And uh, so, just just go do it. What's the worst thing can happen? Get the same results you've been getting? But I'm telling you, Jesus is on the inside of you. Amen. And there is nobody greater than him, no sickness, no disease, or anything else. Go forward, refuse to relinquish the victory that God gave you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every household, every individual that is here. I really pray, God, that you would stir them to have a hunger and a thirst. Draw them to you, God, that they may be filled with the things of righteousness. I pray, God, that they would begin to covet, covet, be passionate, God, about the gifts of the Spirit. I ask, God, that you would visit them in in the gifts in the area of vision and dream, that God, they would move out. You've already anointed their hands, God. Their hands are filled with life, victory, healing, miracles. Now, God, I loose the gifts and its activation upon them. I loose it, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And I loose an understanding, God, that they'll see the simplicity of how the Holy Ghost uses us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, thank you for coming. I I, I want to tell you, Phyllis and I are just thrilled with what God is doing with you and uh, how God has raised you up. And if you might not know, but Kylan has been with us, what, 20? 
97, so add up 24 years. 24 years. Yeah. Kylan has, has been with us and uh, him and his family, and uh, you know, he has supported and worked and uh, always been filled with integrity, honesty, and, and he handled himself with honor. And uh, you know, we just, we're just, we are really glad that he is here in Urbana. Amen. 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 Amen.